We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Do you need to raise your prices? If so, this episode is for you. Michael, breaking news. We are raising the cost of this podcast next week. I wanted to inform you of that important detail. Wait, it's no, wait, it's free, right? Yeah, 100% increase, yeah. Oh, can we, no, we can't raise our prices. Okay, but nonetheless, for those who are not uh, podcast payers, since no one is, what do we do with prices that are impacting us globally in supply chain and beyond? And how do we carry those prices changes on to our customers if needed and how all of these questions are peaked as we think about this topic of inflation and it's how it's impacting us as sellers. Michael, are you ready to jump into this important topic? And most importantly, yeah. do you need to raise your prices? Well, do I need to? I'd certainly love to. The question is, can I? Which I guess is uh, one mm. of the key questions we're dealing with today. Right. So we, we've broken this down into a set of kind of just questions. So we have four big questions that we're going to use as a framework. The first question that we all are wondering about is, is the demand for our product elastic or inelastic? And that sounds complicated economic terms, but basically what it means is if you raise your prices, will something happen up or down in terms of your sales volume? You know, like will sales decline if you raise your prices? And so that question economists have struggled with for a long time. They use this phrase elastic or inelastic. And so we need to think through that for our own products So what we sell at answering that question. If I raise my prices, will anything happen in terms of demand? Yeah. So let me give the definition here. Elastic demand means there's a substantial change in quantity demanded when you change your price. Inelastic demand means that there's no change or just a very slight, you know, negligible change in demand when you change your prices. So that's sort of the first and primary question. There are tons of examples. I know, Michael, if you have examples that you think of when you think about price you know and demand elasticity or not anything come to mind yeah well i know you've got a nice example here for moviegoers but one of the things is commuting costs now transport costs Mm -hmm. can really affect things like holidays sort of optional costs but i remember about 15 years ago when i was commuting for my one and only ever full-time piece of employment i remember gasoline or petrol prices went up about 30 percent over the cost of of, for a few months i don't remember what was driving that economically Mm -hmm. but but it didn't make any difference to my behavior. I simply paid the extra money because I had a route. If I tried to take the train, it would have taken insanely long. So it was convenient. So I just paid the money. So similarly, a lot of people commute to London by train for work, or they did before the pandemic anyway. And likewise, train fares you know, were going up 6 7 10% a year and, and didn't really seem to affect the numbers of people traveling. So if you have little choice or if you perceive, which mm-hmm. I guess is a psychological mm-hmm. thing, that you have little choice, I guess that's when prices are more inelastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think so. And it's, I guess it's, you know, industry by industry, product by product. But economists generally say that luxury goods are really elastic price. And, and so, you know, if you, if you're, if something is not a necessity and people have discretion as to whether they do or don't need it, then it's price sensitive and demand will go down. But general goods, things that are, you know, staple items, you know, the milk and the gasoline and stuff like that, 
prices go up and people just keep there's there's just you know the demand is there and it's not going to change my little yeah. example is you know I, popcorn in the movie theater is always hilarious to me oh the, the whole snack bar at the movie theater as you can tell i like my snacks and so you know you go to a movie they can tell you any price for that popcorn it does not matter that you know it could be six dollars it could be eight dollars it could be twelve dollars mm-hmm. you just all things being equal that their pricing is inelastic because you're already paying for the movie. You know, you're going to want a snack from the snack bar. You're going to pay whatever the price is. And, and so they have what's called pricing power. And so in essence, the takeaway is the first question to answer is, do you have pricing power? Meaning if you change your prices, are bad things going to happen or nothing bad will happen? Or, you know, if you change your prices, then, and and they go up and uh, you continue to have the same amount of sales then you've just increased your profit. Now, if you're doing that to compensate for higher expenses, then obviously, you know, you're overall, you're just trying to survive. You're not trying to just do it as a profit maximization strategy. But nonetheless, this is the thing that you've got to think through and the first question in your mind. And a lot of e-commerce sellers just don't know the answer. Like, I don't know what the answer is. Is it elastic or inelastic? And so you've got to do some research. You've got to find out about your industry. You've got to do some testing and start to sort out that first big question. Yeah, by the way, um, really, really like this. I'm so glad you've uh, approached this in this way. And the popcorn example is really interesting because it's making me think about a number of drivers behind it, which makes it... So it's Mm -hmm. weird how the examples are coming up. Staples are fairly defensible. And I guess a a defensive stock would be, or shares would be, if you buy stock in Tesco or Walmart, whatever, because in the recession, people are still going to buy, you know, Mm -hmm. milk. But the opposite end is also very interesting, isn't it? Sometimes it's price elastic, sometimes inelastic. For example, if you're in a movie, if you're taking somebody on a date, there is almost something, and the same as if you're buying a present for your wife, and at least Mm -hmm. this is the way I think, and I'm not the only guy like this, that If you know if you're buying for a savvy shopper, and that's pretty much all men buying for women, for example, then the last thing you want to be doing is uh, being seen as cheapskate because your wife will know to the nearest penny mm-hmm. what the, something costs. Probably at least my wife; mm-hmm. she's a smart shopper, and therefore there's almost a thing where you want to spend quite a lot of money and be seen to spend. Mm-hmm. And if you're in that kind of environment, and particularly giftable items when it comes to e-commerce, fast moving consumer goods, yeah, that is actually something where I, I, that's interesting. I think that changes it. Weddings are the other thing, isn't it? That if things involved mm-hmm. with weddings you basically 2x the price of everything so what are your thoughts about that yeah there are so many examples when you start to think about this and one of the things that you can just do is look for radical price changes like we had this conversation with our daughter at our table last night my wife said when i was a kid i would go to sprouse ritz which was this like a thrift store like a like a walgreens or i don't know it's different than tesco but anyway so and she said the ice cream cone they would scoop you was 39 cents and then, you know, you always talk to your grandpa and he always says, when I was a kid, you know, Coca-Cola was a nickel. And so, but the question for our daughter was, can you think of any price that's changed in your lifetime of something you think about? And then somebody said, well, the iPhone used to be $399 and now it's like $1,200. So first of all, that's one. But I always just look for these where prices have radically changed and you know what the company's doing that you know they have inelastic demand and it's it pops up in a lot of weird places like so for example if you go to get a greeting card from the store those things used to be like 99 cents now they're like seven bucks they realize the price is, people are going to go at 6 a.m to buy their on the anniversary to buy their wife an anniversary card because they forgot the night before or whatever the demand is not going to change 
And so, so that those types of examples start to pop up. And I, you know, I do think that you have to think through, am I in an industry like that? And I just haven't been, I've been competing on price unnecessarily. Interesting. I mean, the Apple example is very, very interesting to me because I think it ties back to Amazon, which ties back to one of the things driving our cost prices up. So Mm -hmm. I think Apple used to be a growth stock like Amazon. You'd buy it not because it would make a lot of profit. So the dividend wasn't going to be much to write home about, if anything, or Mm -hmm. the cash pile they're sitting on, like Microsoft famously run with a 12 month uh, cash pile. And now it's not about that. Most people have got smartphones. That's a replacement. It's a luxury item. So they're running it for profit, not for growth of, of mm-hmm. market share, because iPhones are kind of penetrated. Smartphones are penetrated. Most of the markets they're going to get, I guess, largely. Okay, there's Africa. There's bits of, uh, you know, China, if they can get that. But I think they're now run for profit, not as growth stock. Now, I think one of the, ironically, one of the pressures back on us as people who sell on Amazon, and therefore that will have a knock-on effect all across e-commerce, is that the Amazon is now being run more for profit and the third-party marketplace and the advertising is one of their profit centers. As a first-party seller, I don't know if you knew that, in 2020 they lost $40 billion, which is insane. So they've got to make that up. And Wall Street's starting to look on Amazon as a place that they might actually expect to make profit occasionally. So that wow. is interesting because that feeds back into the system. So in other words... If if you in your area have been trying to g- gain market share and that's been an affordable play, ironically, Am- Amazon changing its strategy is going to force your hand a bit because the cost mm-hmm. is going to be so much higher. You may be forced mm-hmm. to go, yeah, it never mind gaining market share and gaining market share, running for growth and growth of revenue. Maybe we need to take profits now. So that's mm-hmm. part of the dynamic that's going in there as well, I think. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So th- this stuff is is intriguing and obviously there's no simple answer. So, I mean, it, it, research is required and thinking is required on our parts as e-commerce sellers, obviously. So, okay, let's go into the second question then. So the second question is, do you have a need to raise your prices to survive? I mean, this is sort of just a justification question or, you know, you've got to get the first thing to, the first person to sell in any selling scenario is sell yourself. You know, if you're going to raise your prices, you have to know what you're doing it for. Now, you know, you can just raise your prices to increase your net profit, or maybe you have a horrible profit margin right now and you need to raise your prices <laughs> just to have a functional business. But, but all things being equal, if this is re- reactive, you know, if this is like, oh my gosh, all my costs just went up. What do I do? And, you know, raising your prices is one of the levers to pull. Then, you know, you need to think through that justification. And I think we've got tons of examples. I mean, Jacob just mentioned, you know, in the in the chat comments, global food prices are up 40% year over year on average, highest in a decade, according to the United Nations. Uh, a wood pallet used to be $6 for shipping. Now it's $40. So, and we all have these examples in our businesses where costs are being, you know, passed on to us in terms of our, you know, expenses on our business. And the question is, do we pass them on to our customers? Yeah. yeah. Other examples that come to your mind, Michael, in terms of costs going up, I think we all feel it, don't we? Yeah, I and mean, I think you made a really good list here yourself. So increased cost of goods, shipping, staffing, taxes, and you talked about demand and, and stock management. Well, I want to revisit that because I think that's there's, there's, crucial there. So yeah, I would say COGS from um, China up 6% average in the latest inflation data in the US. I think for small mm-hmm. businesses could be 10% or more. Freight's up four times what it was a year ago. Average is 400%. That is not subtle. Mm-hmm. Amazon ad costs also are up, I believe, 30% up on average over four months that is not small and by the way that's not a pandemic blip folks that is the future um that's really grim so i think that the the necessity piece do you need to raise your prices to survive in many cases will be yes i think we have Mm -hmm. little choice but to either raise prices or in some cases get out of markets which is a a different Mm -hmm. thing right so yeah 
What what are your thoughts about this in in the context of a really brutally competitive situation? I mean, you're in Shopify, you have mm -hmm. various different traffic sources, but you're very well established. I mean, what what are your thoughts about it from a less Amazon focused point of view? Well, I think as you started this conversation by saying good practices or what uh, flourish in hard times, something to that effect. Is that the quote? Yeah. The quote was actually bad ha bad habits flourish in good times. So yeah, I think the flip side of what you just said is probably <laughs> true as well. Yeah, exactly right. Good habits flourish in bad times. The real question that at the heart of this goes back to question one, which is, you know, do you have pricing power? And if you have pricing power and you haven't used it, well, then in essence, not shame on you, but you know, it's like that would have been your choice yeah. to increase your profits. And if you didn't use it until now, then, you know, it's like now's the time for such a time as this. And Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett talk tons about pricing power. And I remember Charlie Munger's commentary one time about Disneyland and how Disneyland has pricing power and, and because they can raise their price and the same amount of people are going to have a vacation to go to Disneyland. And, you know, so whether you need to raise your prices or whether you just can raise your prices, ultimately it kind of leads to the same you know, set of steps, which is, okay, now what, H how do you do that? And so, you know, whether your business's expenses are up radically or not, I guess it appears as if in the environment that we're in right now, everyone is talking about inflation and therefore everyone is talking about raising their prices. And therefore you probably can do it whether you need to, to survive or not. I guess what I'm saying is yeah. maybe there's a justification in the economy to revisit your pricing, whether it's a survival tactic or not. It's true. It's a good point. I mean, in, in a way, survival or not isn't something we, how can I put this? I mean, in a lot of ways, supply and demand determine price. I mean, there is pricing mm -hmm. power. There's the elasticity and elasticity, mm -hmm. as we've talked about, which is really important to think through. But having said mm -hmm. that, it, in overall, and certainly in a hyper competition, very price comparison situation like Amazon, which is designed to be such, it's never going to get any right. different either, by the way. Right. Right. This is just Amazon being Amazon. And Amazon making more and more money as a percentage of your sales is just Amazon being Amazon. That ain't going away. I don't care what anyone says or the pandemic. That's that's an absolute trend. I, mm -hmm. I would bet very good money on and, and do. So yeah, I think the in the end, if consumer price is going up, then yeah. you can raise your prices. And if they're not, you have uh, a problem. So the mastermind discussion we had the other day on this very topic, because everyone's hitting being hit by all the stuff I've just mentioned, mm -hmm. partly depends on your niche, whether you have pricing power, and then the competition and how well you're positioned. Mm -hmm. And that is really determined by the market to quite a degree there's quite a lot of situations in an amazon seller where you don't have much pricing power and whether you can raise your prices and thus whether that product line should we say can survive mm -hmm. or whether you need to leave the market is determined by what the competition does and then it comes on who moves first who blinks first and that kind of almost pistols at dawn yeah um doo -doo -doo -doo, you know <laughs> western shootout <laughs> it's almost western. that brutal yeah it's yeah. like but it's normal normally what we're used to is when for the competition to reduce the prices and then you use reduce the prices and that's when the bottom falls out of the market and the profit disappears this is kind of the opposite which is when you're waiting for somebody else to blink and raise their prices in right. order to make any kind of profit Yes. Now, this ties to. directly into what we've seen over the last year, which, of course, is crazy demand. So, you know, yeah. there's a twist or, you know, a different side to the, the coin here when you talk about do you need to raise your prices to survive? <clears throat> if you sell all your out, if you sell out of all of your inventory much lower than you otherwise could have because you kept your price too low. Mm. And the consumers just gobbled up everything you had. Yeah. 
at a price that was not ideal for you and your competitor wisely raises their prices and they still have inventory because it slowed down the velocity you know even in a situation where there's price elasticity you you're you're right you are in sort of a spaghetti western standoff a shootout against your competition because you have to have inventory to survive as an e-commerce seller that's sort of an obvious truth and if <laughs> yeah. it all gets sold out super fast at a lower price than is optimal you're really really broken at that point in a different way uh, than just having sensitivity issues to your prices. You know, it's, it's sort of an interesting wrinkle is it's a survival tactic of a different sort, which is, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to run out of inventory for the yeah. next few months. You're, you're hundred percent right. And, in, and that's definitely, definitely, definitely true with physical goods. I mean, extreme things like I spoke to somebody last year who went up, I like tripled their revenue to about seven, eight million bucks last year in 2020. But one of the, mm-hmm. the things they had, for example, they sold out what they thought was six months worth of stock in two months in February, mm-hmm. and then didn't get back into stock until October. I mean, it mm-hmm. is not subtle. And I see patterns like that a lot. So First of all, yeah, you're right. First of all, you've left a ton of money on the table and you're out of stock. So that's a real damage to your profit, to your cash flow, and it also hurts you. So it's definitely one to avoid. Going out of stock is like the number one thing to avoid, really. Mm -hmm. But I would say what what that's about is you've got internal metrics of your business, the profit, the stock turn, or the the stock turn into cash, cash turning into stock, that cash conversion cycle. Then you have the external metrics. And it's very easy. So your business at the intersection of the two things. But what is very, very easy to do is to treat the external metrics too, too much of those sacred things, like your ranking. I remember I said the other day, uh-huh. one of the mastermind members, he's gone to about 4 million bucks in, in sort of trading 12 months and experienced and knows what he's doing, very analytical guy, nevertheless was saying, oh, but we can't raise our prices because you'll lose ranking. And I said, yeah, ranking is Amazon's game. Ranking wants is what Amazon wants you to focus on. What you really need to focus on is profit and cash turn or stock turn. And that was really... In the end, I think your internal metrics have to be the thing that predominates. And if you're not, if you're going to run out of stock anyway, you might as well take the profit off the table, but preferably price such that you put enough resistance to sales, which is very counterintuitive to all of us who've been taught on Amazon sales right. or sell, yeah. such that you don't run out of stock. So if it's going to take you six months to restock instead of two months, that you price such that you keep your stuff in stock for six months. And we did reference this in our inflation episode recently, but I think it's worth recapping because it's so easily overlooked. And to your point, it's so critical. And it's, you know, if you're an Amazon seller and and just broadly e-commerce seller, you're trained to go for sales, go for sales, go for sales, go for sales. Yeah. You don't have in your mind the go for, go for slowing down sales. You know, like you, if your strategy is sword, 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 and then there's a moment in time when you need to use a shield, you're just not ready to pull that shield, man. Because yeah. in your mind, you're not thinking about defensiveness and staying yes. in the game. You're thinking about beating the competition to get more velocity, BSR ranking, all that. Yeah. And it's a, it's a wisdom. Yeah. Here's the, here's the phrase I would like to use. And I, I thought about this yesterday. I think a lot of us are growing our businesses faster then we grow the wisdom to manage them. That's a really good phrase, yeah. <laughs> so so we've our, our velocity of sales, our success, our revenues have outpaced our core understanding of actually what's happening and how to wisely manage the scenario we're in. And it just, you know, it happens so fast nowadays sometimes for, for e-commerce sellers, so. I totally yeah. agree with that. And, and I think that relates very strongly and it shows up in the financials in this way. Your revenue's grown, but your profit's grown a pitiful amount. In fact, I've been reading... 
a very good book by an old business coach of mine, Dan Bradbury. I'll re- reference him because I think he deserves the credit. And he's he went to see a, a hoary old business owner who'd done a billion dollars in, in revenue in his business, a serious guy called Keith Cunningham. And he went to him with a growth plan that consisted of, well, growth really, and revenue growth and adding this product and adding this risk and whatever. And then when Dan had finished explaining it to Keith, and this is all in his book, so I'm not trying to steal his thunder, but Keith looked at him and he said, Dan, I think that's possibly the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and the reason he was so blunt is because he said, look, you don't need to do any of that. You just need to look at your profit. First of all, profit's the only thing that's sane. And his book is called mm-hmm. Turnover is Vanity, Profit Sanity. Turnover is what Brits call revenue, I guess, if you don't say mm-hmm, that in the mm-hmm. States. And yeah. therefore, if you want to grow your profit, a lot of the time you just strip out some costs or stop selling the wrong types of products or whatever it is. And then you're left with a healthier business that's mm-hmm. actually doing better revenue as well. But that's a side effect of growing your profit. So I know you're very profit focused and, and you work with your clients. And, yeah. you know, this really is at the heart of the matter that what, what this situation is doing is shining a light on the bad business practices we just about got away with mm-hmm. because bad habits breeding good times. Mm-hmm. But they were always bad anyway. So in the mm-hmm. end, if you're just playing Amazon's game and going for market share, market share, you're missing the point. There is only point in a market share if it is a valuable, i.e. profitable market. If you are never going to make any profit in it anyway, you shouldn't have any piece of that market. And that's the thing that we miss in the day-to-day scramble and competition. Hey, folks, thank you so much for joining us on another trip through, I guess, first principles and economics, microeconomic principles, but also a very, very practical question indeed. Can you raise your prices? Do you need to raise your prices? If so, how do we do it? So really important question that a lot of people have been asking uh, recently. It's not just an abstract idea. It's very much necessary with the rising prices in e-commerce specifically. And then that whole question of where is, you know, inflation as a whole going, which I guess is an average created by the government or government statistics, and then it becomes self-fulfilling, all that stuff. So two basic questions we've had from Jason today that I think were really, really important. Is your demand elastic or inelastic? In other words, will demand for your products drop off if you raise the price and that is another way of saying it is then how sensitive are your sales to price is the sixty-four thousand dollar question that probably needs to go up with inflation as well that number so we talked about popcorn at the movies transport costs and then kind of you know the cost of various goods that you might be familiar with like iphones and the other question is really the second question the brutal question do you need to raise your prices to survive looking at your costs well i would suggest that in many cases the answer is probably going to be yes, isn't it? But you need to sit there and do your numbers, really. So really, again, like a lot of the topics we talk about, it's worth re- really deep diving into this stuff. We can only be the starters of the conversation, I guess, with your team or with your accountant or with possibly your coach, if you have one. If you don't have a coach yet, then you could strongly consider Jason's wonderful coaching. Uh, winningonshopify.com is the place to go for that. He and Kyle, his business partner, is the Amazon specialist. They're both based on the West Coast of America, so time zone-wise. That's great for some people, not quite so good for others. And if you wanted to join the mastermind that I reference all the time here, we are meeting mostly in person, but we have historically met in London. We will be doing a blend of those two, like all businesses, I guess. We'll be doing hybrid working. You can check that out at www.theamazonmastermind.com. The last but not least thing I would like to ask you to do is, if you have enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe. Not only does it help repay us for all the work that we put in, including the costs of production and so forth, 
and the planning time, etc., which is an opportunity cost for us, I guess. But also, listen, we're working really, really hard to help you, our clients, some of them six, seven, even eight-figure Amazon sellers and, and, and Shopify sellers and other platforms, find this coaching worth paying for and the masterminds worth paying good money for. So you are getting value. And I would urge you to keep listening to this sort of stuff. I'd like to think that this is more grown up than a lot of the tactical focused stuff out there in the e-commerce space. I know about that stuff because I used to put a lot of that out there. And now that's very crowded. This is your competitive advantage, folks, is getting the strategy nailed and really thinking things through. So we are here to serve you with genuinely valuable information. So stay tuned. And literally the way to stay tuned in the podcast world is to subscribe. So hit that subscribe button and um, keep listening. Thank you for your time. Never take that for granted. Attention is the currency of rare, the rare currency these days, the special thing in short supply on the line online. I'm not speaking English very well anymore, but you get the idea. So I appreciate that. And we both appreciate that. Thank you very much for listening. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.